it's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Tove, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Tove. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. So today we've got a lot of a lot of things to cover. So let's just jump right into it. I think the first thing I want to uh, discuss or bring up is kind of how I finished last week's show. I talked a lot about Thanksgiving and the gratitude that I personally had. And uh, after doing that, I got some uh, information, responses, whatever. And I, I was surprised, I have to admit, to find that there are some people that are unhappy about Thanksgiving. Now, frankly, it seems to me to be much more about similar to the attacks that we've seen on Christmas uh, now for, well, several, gosh, well over a decade, <laughs> okay? Um you know, talking about Thanksgiving is about colonialism and all this stuff. No, it's just it's just angry liberals trying to uh, take something away, uh, you know, from our culture, from our beliefs, from our whatever, our experiences. Look, the way I look at it is Thanksgiving for me is about gratitude, and gratitude is probably one of the one of the greatest. Uh, things you can, places you can be, one of the greatest emotions you can have. And again, it's about being grateful for what you have. Uh, we, with our family, has been a tradition for many, well, many, many years, even when I was a child. Um, we would, you know, sit around the table. And we do this periodically throughout the year. It's not something we do every day or every week, but we do it fairly frequently, several times a month at least. But on Thanksgiving, we make a special point about what are you thankful for this year? And we we have our girls, you know, they're teenagers now, and they're well-versed in this, and they have, you know, they've been doing this since they were little. And I think it's just, it's important to be grateful. Because one of the things that I've learned throughout my life so far, I don't know everything, but one of the things that I've learned, I'll put it this way, is the, uh, the, the ability to express gratitude is so important because what's most important in life really is not money, things. It's actually experiences, the the relationships and experiences that you have in life. You know, I, I learned that from somebody that I'm, uh, was very, very successful. Uh, he was getting a re- uh, recognized for a lifetime achievement award, a very successful businessman. And he shared, uh, you know, at this point, he was, of course, later in life, and he shared, you know, when you get to this point in life, you don't remember much much about, you know, the money you've made or lost or anything like that. Like he said, he'd done well in both. You remember the relationships and the experiences in life. And it's so true. I mean, those truly are the things that are important. Yes, you know, I'm a financial guy, right? And uh, many of these uh, shows are on financial, you know, on, are aired on financial radio stations, Okay. Uh, it's almost sacrilege to say money and things don't make you happy. Now it can provide a level of comfort. Certainly. Uh, one of the things I've shared this on the show many times, my wife shared this from some years ago where, you know, we've had our ups and downs in our over 20 year marriage. And she said, you know, <laughs> money doesn't uh, make you happy, but sure can relieve a lot of stress. And that I agree with a hundred percent. Money is necessary in the society that we live in. I mean, you need it to eat, <laughs> for example, uh, have a place to live, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it's not the all-important thing. 
and it, it could be top five. I'll give you that much. But again, the relationships that you have and the experiences that you get to share with those and, and money to a degree allows you to have that time for the relationships and, and the money to spend for those uh, experiences. So I, I look at money as a tool. Uh, it's really nothing more than that. It doesn't make me happy or unhappy. Yes, it can make me more stressed or, or not. But not, my, my source of happiness doesn't come from how much I make or how much stuff I have. Okay? So I guess my point I'm trying to get at is Thanksgiving. I'm great, grateful for this, this time of the year. I've always loved the holidays. I love I love the fall seasons. I, I always liked when the, I grew up in Missouri where there, you know, the, the trees, uh, the fall, you know, the fall colors would come out and, and there'd be a coolness and Christmas, crisp, crispness, I should say, in the air. And, uh, you know, football season, all that kind of stuff. And I still love it. And getting, you know, like I said, into Thanksgiving and then Christmas. I, I'm a musician. I've loved Christmas music from as long as I can remember. And any good Christmas song I really like, and whether it's a Christian one or not, I still love the music if it's a good quality. And, and so I've said this in previous years, this is something that I'm just not willing or will allow someone to take away from me. I love this, this season, this time of the year. It makes me happy. I like to spread the joy. I say Merry Christmas everywhere I go. I've done this for years. And my point, I guess I would say, you know, what my encouragement to you would be, if you have Christmas joy, if you're happy, um, share it, spread it with others. In fact, we'll have people walk away from you and kind of shake their heads and wonder why, how can you could be so happy, particularly in these tough economic times and high inflation and all the things that are going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's going on to certainly make somebody, <laughs> there are many people unhappy, but if they walk away shaking their head wondering, well, you know what, why is that guy or gal so happy? Uh, I wish I had a little bit of that. It sometimes opens an opportunity up to share your faith, to share your belief system, and make a, a difference in somebody's life. And you just never know when you plant those kinds of seeds what they will grow into. And I guess that kind of leads me into my next point I was getting at is, you know, there's so many things going on and so many things that are frustrating um, you know, it's easy to get down, right, and, and frustrated about all of this. But, again, you can't allow the circumstances of life to get you down. You know, I, I, it's no secret, the last couple of weeks, I've been profoundly disappointed by the election results, the midterm res results, for example, and, and particularly nationwide, but even particularly in my home state of Arizona, where it took over a week or about a week to count the votes and determine the winner. And where the facts of the matter are, in Maricopa County, on election day, something like about a third of the machines, the counting machine or ballot machines, uh, weren't operating correctly, which created extensive lines. And I've seen some media sources point out that it happened predominantly in more conservative areas. And it's a well-known fact in Arizona that the day of election vote it typically is heavily Republican, 70% plus. We had a very popular candidate for governor, Carrie Lake, who's still fighting. Apparently, they're saying she lost by about 17,000 votes is all, out of however many, a couple million, I guess. Um, it's, 
And they're saying now they're saying there's nothing, you know, the voters weren't disenfranchised, even though it's a known fact that many voters waited in lines for hours. Uh, many were turned away and sent to other locations. Obviously, many of those, some of those didn't go to the other location to vote because, well, they didn't have the time. They had to go to work or whatever, or the inclination. Maybe they weren't a high, highly motivated voter but they would have voted uh, for Cary Lake, perhaps. I mean, certainly that day of voter is about 70% Republican. So were voters disenfranchised? I don't think there's no one reasonable person that can uh, argue otherwise. Yet they've claimed that that's the case, and they're shoving this, the system is shoving this down the throat. Now, again, as frustrating as that is, the bigger issue, I'm going to say is this, is why was it even so close? You know, the people I talk to, and I've shared this so many times on this show, whether it's in this state or I've got clients across the country, you know, overwhelmingly not happy with the direction the country's headed, you know, a lot of negativity toward the Democrats and Biden policies and all that kind of stuff. And I thought long and hard about it over the last couple of weeks. I, I've told you, I, I'm not always one to react immediately I've learned it's more it's wiser to wait and kind of sift through the noise to try to determine what is you know maybe a nugget of truth there if you know what I mean. And what I've got to ask myself is the people that I talk to of course overwhelmingly want freedom, they want the opportunity this country provides and all these kinds of things. But I can't deny that there's a there's a significant portion of people out there who prefer to um, I don't know what the best words are for it, but take from the system. In other words, it, it's well known fact that Democrats don't the quality of candidates doesn't matter because what are they running on primarily? Well, they're going to give you stuff, right? I mean, nobody can tell me John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, a guy who had a stroke a few months ago was a good Senate candidate. Now, I don't wish a stroke on anyone, but is he a good candidate? I think not. And I also shared in a previous show where the, uh, oh, somewhere else in Pennsylvania, a state Democrat who had died a month prior to the election got got reelected. The guy had been dead for a month and he got reelected. You know, for most people that would be embarrassing, but the Democratic Party, uh, the state party of Pennsylvania took it as an honor of, of sorts. You know, that's when you're dealing with people that don't care about others, don't care about the future of this country or it's they just want they just want theirs, right? They just want the they want the government to give them whatever. And whoever promises more to them, apparently they're going to vote for whether even they're dead or not, doesn't matter, right? How do you fight against that? Well, there was some also overwhelming, we talked about this in Florida, New York in particular, where you had candidates with good ideas, good results, okay, in governance, and stood firm, like Ron DeSantis is a great example, well-known, and won overwhelmingly in landslides. New York, there was a lot of places where Republican candidates got won in heavily blue districts, okay? My point is, the the candidate the candidate quality counts when you're going against the giveaway king or queen, right? 
And you have to be a strong difference. You have to be, you have to differentiate yourself because it's not only about the base, the, you know, the fiscally conservative base, for example, but it's that low agency voter who's not paying that much attention. And if they see the two candidates as they're going to vote for the person they're more familiar with, typically. Now, stay tuned in the next segment because I'm going to talk about the Federal Reserve and some things that are coming up that I think will be very valuable. So or if you want to contact me on how to navigate this high inflation, make your money go further, reduce your taxes, take control, all of that, contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Tove. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. Uh, the last thing I want to say about the Thanksgiving, the holidays, gratefulness, all that. Sometimes, it's, all, it's, a, it's rare, but sometimes I'll get somebody who responds and say, I'd rather you didn't talk about all that and freedom and all those kinds of things. And then I'll get 10 times the amount of folks who will say, keep it up, keep sharing how you feel about things, because I, it's overwhelmingly a lot of them say, look, I agree with you. And even was a couple of weeks ago when I was really frustrated talking about some of the reasons that I thought that the red wave didn't happen, um, you know, um, I, I got a lot of response from that, too. So. Um, you know, I just, I'm just sharing from the heart here. And, and the point is, and the, the, the studio, even radio stations even telling me, look, just share more about how you feel about things, what your opinion is, you know, and I'm just taking this from a wealth of experience that I've had over my lifetime that I've, of things that I've done and what I see and what I feel. That's all. You can agree. You can disagree either way. That's fine. In fact, that's one of the beauties of this country. And as I've often shared, you know, that's why part of the reason why I served in the military, for example, to support and encourage those freedoms, you know, that this country still still offers for for us. And when I see any curtailment of that, I, I, I'm really sensitive to that, obviously. So anyway, let's talk about some financial stuff, because there's a lot of things going on there. And the biggest thing is, of course, the the, the continuing story of the year from the financial world is interest rates inflation, the Federal Reserve, all those kinds of things, what's going on. And, of course, there's, uh, there's several things going on in that. In fact, very recently, one of the, I think it was the St. Louis chair, I don't remember which one, he was talk, mentioning that we might need to see a federal funds rate of 7% before this is over to curb inflation. Now, if that's the case, folks, and that's, I've said, I've said this many times, I don't think that's in the realm I don't think that's uh, I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. Now, even some of the federal fe, uh, the Fed chairs of the different ones are stating making these statements. Is the reason is infl- <laughs> interest rates have to be higher than inflation for it to for it to curtail for it to curb it. And right now, as we speak, this is uh, this is November of 2022, uh, late November. So we're on to de- maybe December actually. Um, you know, we're at 4%. So if we're at 4% federal fund rate, late November, early December, and the Fed, pretty much everyone recognizes, and they've pretty much made it clear 
that they're going to raise the rates probably another half percent. That's what consensus is in mid-December. That, uh, you know, we're going to see a four and a half percent federal fund rate. The prime rate right now is seven. So if your your federal funds rate is four, the prime rate is seven. As we've stated many times, the prime rate is it's considered the, uh, how should I say, the lowest rate an individual can borrow monies from uh, with good credit. So, you know, today, a 30-year fixed mortgage, good credit, around 7%. That's where the prime is. Probably going to be about 75 before the year ends. And so if they, if the Fed does go from 4 to 7 in this, say, next year, then we're looking at 10% mortgages for somebody with good credit. And that, that's going to be in about a year or so, year, year and a half, let's say, start to finish. And that's from 3%. A 3% mortgage to a 10% mortgage is triple. Folks, what is that going to do to real estate? Uh, the, one of the things, this is from, what is it? The uh, uh, This is actually came out very recently from the oh Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Their statement is they expect home prices to fall another 15 to 20%. I think that's conservative. but I, And, of course, different areas are going to vary, obviously. But, again, if we do go from a – we went from the beginning of 2022 from a 3% mortgage, 30-year fixed mortgage rate for somebody with good credit, and we're going to end the year at about 75 and we could go into next year some point being close to or at 10, I think this is very realistic. Even though there's a housing shortage, even though there's other uh, things that are will cause real estate to not drop, maybe like it did in the Great Recession, 08, 09, but to see a drop-off, because it went far, for one, it went up so high, far so fast in so many places, particularly in places like Phoenix, Seattle, L.A., Vegas, Denver, a lot of those places, Florida, of course, um, we saw 50 and 60% increases in real estate values in the previous two years, in a two-year period. So for it to come back to those pre-pandemic levels uh, would not be unsurprising, okay? Because <laughs> of the cost of borrowing the money, right? It just comes down to that. So I'm not saying that uh, you shouldn't invest in real estate. All I'm, Somebody shouldn't do that. What I am saying is be cognizant and aware of, of what we're de- dealing with here and what's going on. And so if somebody's looking to buy, well, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, might be a good idea to wait a little bit if you can afford to do so. Because so, I get asked that question all the time. Should I buy now? I think uh, I, think I agree with them <laughs> that it you might want to wait a bit and you probably can get a better deal, right? Uh, Opportunities will present themselves for investors that know what they're doing, of course. But uh, it's it's a tricky time, (laughs) that's for sure. This is not a time for amateurs or to learn about how to do all this, uh, you know, do that kind of business right now if you don't know what you're doing. So proceed with caution, I guess, is what my my recommendation would be, uh, obviously. Uh, another one here just came out. Goldman Sachs states that bear market is not over and will continue in 2023. I saw Wells Fargo, I believe it was. In fact, today, I think it was, came out and stated that their projection for the uh, the S&P uh, for the end of 2023 was 4,000. 
And I just happened to look up a chart because I was curious to see where it was at at the moment. And basically, I hate to use that word, but it was at 4,000 now. So we're in late 2022, and their projections are it's going to be where it is now. There'll be some gyrations, as we all know. But if you very likely, according to them, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and the others, we're looking at a zero year in the in the stock markets. And I think compared to this year, some people would take that because it's been a tough year in the market for a lot of people. Although there's, you know, the end of the end of the year has finished so far has finished a little bit better, uh, thankfully for a lot of folks. I guess what I'm trying to say is. Trying to navigate this is is a challenge. There's no question about it. This type of economic uncertainty and all these inflation and all these things that are going on. Diversifying into a bucket that make that has some guarantees. You can make six percent. We have borrowing money locked in in the fours, mid fours right now. Still, um, it's based on the Moody's. Just so you know. So if you're making six and you access the money, and let's say you're getting charged four and a half or so, you're you're still pocketing one and a half percent difference and you can use the money and go elsewhere. Or like a lot of people are asking me right now, can I just leave it there and make 6%? And the answer is uh, yes. And with guarantees and tax free, I'm going to recommend you stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to talk about how you can increase the amount of money to supplement your retirement using your personal bank. If you want more information, you can contact me at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. Like I said, stay tuned. Don't miss it, because this is going to be powerful on how to increase the amount of money you can use to supplement retirement. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And in the last segment, I promised, as deliver, I'm going to share how you can increase the amount of money to supplement retirement that you may have available to you. And how you do that? Well, it's really quite simple. Most people have have heard the rule, uh, the four percent rule, and that what that is is if you have an, a brokerage account or whatever a, a account that's at market risk. You can relatively safely access 4% per year, and you can, uh, you know, to, to supplement retirement or whatever, and you can, with a pretty high percentage accuracy, not run out of money in retirement, okay? So it's called the 4% rule. So in other words, if you had a million dollars in a brokerage account or whatever, you could access 40000 a year and pretty, pretty real, realistically expect that to last for the rest of your life. Now... There's a few, there's a there's a few challenges with that, and there's some better op- I I believe better options. First of all, in most cases that I see, there's some sort of taxability involved on those distributions for people, and most people are in the roughly 25 percent tax bracket, state and federal. That's where the typical American is. So if you're getting forty thousand a year, four percent of of a million per year and you're getting 25% tax that means you're keeping about 30,000 you're giving 10 to the the federal government right so you're really getting 3% not 4 okay well if you're using a personal bank account a personal bank policy to access the funds and you do it properly you can access it income tax free 
We have companies, like I said, they're paying 6% dividends now. Interest rates are going up. The Federal Reserve has been very clear about that. And uh, dividends are highly interest rate sensitive. So we fully expect dividends to go up over the next number of years. So I would, if I had to guess, easily five years, probably longer. And historically, normal interest rate environment, if the Fed's headed there and seems like they are, we're going to be in the 7%, seven, 8% range is where dividends were the last time we were in a normal interest rate environment scenario. Okay? So it gives you an idea. But let's just say you're getting 6%. And let's say you're, you know, the net cost of insurance and all that kind of stuff. That's a question I get all the time. Lifetime of the policy averages uh, about a half a percent per person. Um, I've seen as high as 1%. I've seen as low as a quarter of a point. Okay? So it depends on age and health and all that stuff. But let's say you're on the higher end. And so you're... Your net, you're getting, let's say, long-term is 5%, net of everything. Well, if you're accessing 5% of a million dollars, that's 50000 And if we've set it up correctly, it's income tax-free. That means you're keeping 50000 not thirty, after tax, with the brokerage account example, right? So right there, you're, access, you're, you're accessing a lot more money. By the way, that 50000 is gains. It's dividends, right? In other words, you're not even touching the principal, with a brokerage account, you may or may not touch the principal to any given year, depending on what the returns are, right? So my my point is you can access, and we run, we run these numbers routinely. Um, I've got an account I was just doing for an older couple, supplementing their retirement and all that, and they're, they're pulling out about 10% of their account value per year, and we were able to show them, based on, projections and with the interest rates and all that kind of good stuff, the money lasting them through age 95 without any problem. In other words, it's like going to last them another uh, 25, 30 years of retirement, pulling at a 10% annual rate. Now, I don't recommend that necessarily for everyone, but that's more than double the 4% rule. So with guarantees and tax-free you can really stretch your dollars. You can make the dollars go further. And, folks, that's not even using the positive arbitrage we often get either with these policies or using bank lines of credit, depending on what the interest rates are. If we're getting some positive arbitrage, which right now is about 1.5%, just so you know, that money actually goes farther. Historical average is 2 to 3% on positive arbitrage. Makes the money go farther. But we're in an unusual situation because the Federal Reserve has raised rates so quickly and the insurance company dividend rates haven't caught up to that yet, but they will. Like I said earlier, they're going to easily be increasing for the next five plus years. Could be longer because of just the aggressive interest rate hikes that we've been seeing by the Federal Reserve. My point is with having some guarantees, with having some tax favored money, you're creating to yourself more options. You're putting, you're, you're giving yourself the ability to put more money in your pocket, make your money go further. And my gosh, with uh, high inflation periods of time, isn't that like more important than ever? And then the answer is, of course it is. Should you put all your money here? I'm not necessarily saying that. Should you create a, a diversification bucket with some guarantees, some tax benefits and all that? Sure makes a lot of sense for a lot of folks. If you want to contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com for more information, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. Yes, at this point, you'll still be talking, reaching me. <laughs> I've got some big news starting the first of the year. But anyway, again, it's 866-268-4422.
Stay tuned in the last segment. I want to cover a few more thoughts and some interesting things and some reasons for positive finishing out this year and going into the next. So stay tuned. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And as promised, I want to kind of finish up with some, well, a little bit more bad news or, well, shouldn't be bad news, to be expected news these days. And then I'm going to finish off on some thoughts of why we should be positive about the finish well, going into next year. There's some, there is some a lot of reasons to be encouraged and some bright spots. And like I said in the first segment, don't let the noise of the world around you impact your emotions or how you feel. Because that, you know, that's not where our happiness comes from. I said this earlier, it comes from relationships and from experiences that we have in our faith and those kind of our family, those kinds of things. And if you don't have a lot of those kings or they're not necessarily good, you know, I didn't grow up in the best family out there either. And my wife certainly did not. She was actually adopted. Okay. Um, and went through the foster care system and, and went through some really serious uh, childhood trauma. I mean, it, it, her, her growing up years were really, really ugly. Okay. But to her credit, what she's done, and she's an inspiration to me and, that's, and to many others that know her, is that she didn't let that uh, define her. You know, we get so much of that these days that we've got this victim mentality. You know, it's, it doesn't do any good for it doesn't do anyone any good. Yes, I mean, it's sad that that happened. I mean, you don't wish that on anyone. You know, my wife's situation, certainly. But you can't allow it to define you. And if we're raised by parents that were less than the less than good, you know, again, you can you can allow that affect the rest of your life or define you or you can rise above it. In other words, you can get bitter or you can be, get better, right? And so my point is she 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 vowed to not repeat the cycle, that family cycle. And I won't go into all the details, but folks, it was ugly, really ugly for a while for her when she was really young. Okay. So my point is she refused to repeat that family cycle and decided to be grateful, as I stated in the beginning, and to build something different, build a future instead of focusing on the past. And it's these kinds of uplifting ideas and leadership and these kinds of things that I think are sorely lacking today in our leaders of all types, not just political, business leaders, whatever, you name it. But we need some real inspiration, some inspirational leaders, some uplifting things. And, you know, times of crisis, I still have faith in this, in the people in this country. That's when it brings out the best in people. And there's something called a cycle, and I've got to refer to it up here um, if you're watching, because <laughs> I don't have it memorized. But it's called the, uh, um, oh, gosh, what do they call that? I forget the name, Fatal Cycle. You can look it up if you want. I was going to say Google, but I don't use Google anymore. I haven't for a couple of years. I use something called Brave. Uh, Brave is an, is a uh, Internet browser just like Google. It's free. You can look it up. Put it on your computer, your phone. It's faster than Google. Doesn't have all the pop-ups. Lots more privacy. It's called Brave. Check it out. There's some other good ones. But if you don't believe in supporting companies that don't 
stand or support our freedoms and way of life, why support them, right? But this uh, this fatal cycle kind of it talks about the cycle of how civilizations go through life, and it talks about starting off as bondage, okay, and then faith, courage, liberty, abundance, selfishness, complacency, apathy, independence. And if you had to look on this cycle where we are on this on this uh, cycle, it's clear that we are um, in the in the complacency cycle, part of the cycle, because you know this country has been blessed with amazing abundance, and then selfishness is the next step where it's all about me and my stuff. Okay, and that's for the last number of decades <laughs> we've been a consumer society, no doubt. Okay. Complacency is where you get entitlement, self-absorbed, uh, you know, people are self-absorbed. You know, we talk about the entitlement generation, right? <laughs> we see that a lot. The next step is apathy. It's not my fault. Personal responsibility is lost. We see that with our, a lot of our current leaders right now. It's not my fault. They blame everyone and everything but themselves, right? And I find that offensive. For, unfortunately, not enough people do yet. And then they say the next step is dependence. That's, that's where the government achieves complete control, right? And then that's followed by bondage or dictatorships, communism, those kinds of things. I've looked at, you know, I'm a student of history. I love you know, civilizations, history, and all that kind of stuff. The cycle isn't, they call it the fatal cycle. But the thing is, if you look at different civilizations, they don't always go through this cycle Exactly. In other words, they go through periods of up and za- up, ups and downs. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is the ne- next step in the cycle, or apathy, doesn't, isn't necessarily predetermined. It's not necessarily absolutely going to happen. What would stop it? Well, you go back, like this cycle states, faith, search for unity, deep moral groundings. That's what we need. Encourage people fighting for freedom. Are we seeing those kinds of things? Absolutely. Why do you think they're fighting Elon Musk and this whole Twitter thing for so much? So hard, the left is. Okay? You've got people like him that are not necessarily what you would call conservative bastions, but he understands that civilization needs to have uh, freedom of expression. If you dominate or curtail that, a government can take away other freedoms. It's called the First Amendment, folks, of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, right? So my point is there are reasons for encouragement. There's reasons to be excited about the future because apathy requires people to not care anymore. Well, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people care, and the more things that come out, the more I see people caring. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, I'm one of those. I care deeply about this country and where it's headed and the future of where it's going for not only myself, but for my children and and future grandchildren, the next generations. I want to leave this place better than I, than I came into it, okay? I think that's important. I think some people need to have a higher ideal, something people want to be a part of something bigger. That's what faith is all about. Um, I'm not preaching religion here. I'm pre, pre, you know, people, it's funny. 
they talk about they attack Christians and stuff like that, the left does so much, but yet they have their own religion, of, if you will, government, right? It, they want to be human nature. <laughs> it's, it's born within us. We want to be part of something bigger. We are inspired by that, right? Now, it can be good, a good thing or not such a good thing, but we're inspired by that. And unfortunately, like, I don't know who said this, but evil triumphs when good people do nothing. Um, so a lot too much of that. I've talked about so many times where people weren't paying attention. So what I'm getting at is this next stage of the cycle called apathy, the fatal, fatal cycle, doesn't necessarily have to happen. And I'm seeing so many signs of people stepping up and saying, no, this is not the direction that I want to see my country go, my society. This is not the country I lived in. I'm going to say Merry Christmas, like I said in the first segment, because by golly, that's how I feel. And you may not feel that way. That's okay. But I'm okay. it's okay if I feel the way I do. And you're not going to stop me or discourage me from feeling the way I do and expressing the it's all freedom of expression, right? Well, that's how I, that's how I identify. How's that? Using their words. Don't take that away from me. Because I love the holiday season. I love Christmas, and and I love New Year's, and I love uh, Thanksgiving. I love all of it, and I love the music. And, and you're not going to take that away from me. There's too many childhood memories, memories growing up as an adult, all of those things. It's who I am, It's and and it's important to me. So you're not going to take it away. I'm not going to allow you to do that. So we've seen more of these kinds of things. And here's another one that just encouraging recently this uh, – the new Disney movie was, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh gosh, I forgot the name of it. Um, I'll find it here in a second, but it was a very woke, um, type. Oh, strange world. It was called strange world and it bombed, bombed in the box office. Apparently it's like one of the worst Disney releases for a Thanksgiving weekend in their history. They're predicting the Disney's going to lose like a hundred million dollars. Good for them. I mean, good because as, a lot of people are breaking down the problems with the movie. Uh, here, here, here it is. I'm reading off here. It says, main character is gay. It's a biracial couple. There's no white people. There's a climate change metaphor, and even the dog is disabled. <laughs> I had to laugh at that. My point is, this woke crap that they're trying to shove people down's throat, the average typical American is saying, no thanks. We're not going to spend money on that. We're not going to spend our time. We don't want to be force-fed this stuff. And you know what? If you want to keep doing that stuff, you can go broke. You know what? We just want good, um, fun children's movies, family movies with great stories. That's what Disney was born and built upon. Walt Disney, in my opinion, would be rolling in his grave if he saw what was going on today. Telling a great story is what Walt Disney and his vision and Disney was all about. And my hope is that we see... They get the message. They get finally because I know there's so many of these global elitists that think China is the model. Well, you know what? <laughs> to their credit, the Chinese, many of the Chinese are protesting now because they've gone into severe COVID lockdowns and they're having the highest rate of uh, protests since Tiananmen Square in the late, late 80s, late in 89 or something. Good for them. I hope they continue and I hope they can get the message across and. I hope the Chinese, for their sake, gain some freedom as a result. You know, we're talking about Iran. There's there's protests going on all over the country. And you want to talk, and this is inspiring. I'm, uh, you know, I'm half Hungarian. I played soccer growing up. 
high school, college, all that kind of stuff. My dad was a semi, semi-pro uh, uh, soccer player in Hungary. Uh, so, you know, I guess it runs in the family. So I love the World Cup. I love watching the whole thing and all that. And the biggest thing going on recently was whether they're going to wear these silly armbands, these rainbow armbands and all this kind of stuff. And FIFA said no. Good for them. They did it for political reasons, but whatever. And the biggest big, everybody's making a big to-do about that. And I thought it was just totally silly because that's not what our country stands for, okay? There's a small, tiny percentage of people, but the majority of folks are not into the rainbow flag. I'm sorry. It's just not the case. Well, you want to talk about real protests and real courage? The Iranian soccer team, before their first game, they refused to sing the stand or sing the national anthem for Iran because there's protests. There are people getting killed in Iran um, for protesting their government and all that kind of stuff. And so they were showing solidarity. There's a tyrannical Iranian regime right now. What's new, right? Well, this is real, how should I say, real courage because they are now, the Iranian government is now threatening the soccer players' families if they don't stand and sing the national anthem. They're threatening them with their lives. Folks, that is courage. That is protesting for something valuable. And what do they what do they what do the Iranians want? Freedom. It's a common theme across the world. You can't get away from it. And the good news is with the technological advances and the ability to communicate around the world using satellites and you know like Elon Musk did when Ukraine for example you can use VPNs you don't have to be in the country you can be in the country and access the internet anywhere around the world from any place all those kinds of things there's more communication amongst people and as there's more communication my hope and prayer is we'll see continue to see a renaissance of freedom not only here, but around the world. And that's what I'm encouraged by going into this season, into this next year and going forward. I've seen a lot of exciting stuff, so take heart. You want to contact me about how to navigate this chaos that we're dealing with, economic stuff as we go through, contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. And like I said, laws is still on our money, I'm going to say it. In God we trust. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and writers may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare it when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bake line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates.